Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information. Welcome to The Wave Podcast. I am Danny Ortiz. And I am Ryan McCarsky. And we also have with us... Amber McCarsky. Hi. <laughs> yes. Amber, uh, someone told me this week that they heard your voice and they said she is so sweet and quiet, but when she talks, <laughs> it's like fire. And I said, yes. <laughs> Greatest way to describe Amber. She's sweet and soft-spoken, but it's fire that comes out of there. So we are excited that you are a part of this conversation. Uh, how, are you, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. How are you doing? Doing great. A- Amber's not used to that. We already have this conversation. <laughs> Amber, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what we do in the morning when we do this podcast. We, we already had like an hour conversation that we have to like <laughs> restart the conversation. Uh, but it's all good. Um, I'm doing great. We're going to jump into this. Uh, I just want to uh, thank those who are here in the podcast. Uh, like we do every time, we thank you for joining us um, every week. We know there are, you know, now these days, millions of podcasts out there. You can choose anybody else to listen to. And you guys uh, choose to listen to The Wave and, and choose to learn with us uh, because this is a community that wants to learn and grow. Uh, we don't get everything right. Uh, we don't... Uh, we don't declare that we're experts, uh, but we just want to grow in, in the Lord. And so we want to thank all those who listen and take this journey with us. Um, I'll let you guys address the, the, the audience yourself. Uh, you know, Amber and Ryan, you know, you guys, if you guys want to tell anybody to those who listen, um, I'll go ahead and give the floor to you guys. Yeah, at least at least for me, just want to want to thank the listeners and and always appreciate being able to share this time with you and and hopefully um bring some some words from the lord for you that you can meditate on and and really dive back into the scriptures like you said danny um we're we're doing our best and we're we're just trying to speak what the lord gives us and and we pray that that helps you to dive back into the scriptures and um get revelation for yourself and i'll let amber yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be here again. And um, so thanks for having me join you. And um, yeah, I think one of the things I really like about podcasts in general is that I feel like you can listen to them anywhere. You can kind of pick up where you left off. And this podcast has really blessed me because, um, you know, over the time that I've been listening to all of the past content, um, I feel like it's really encouraged me and inspired me to want to read the word for myself. Um, sometimes you guys find stuff in there that I'm like, wait, does it really say that? And it really does. And so, um, that's, that's why I'm really excited to be here joining you, um, because I want to help inspire other people to want to read and get that hunger for the word that, um, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of miss in your day-to-day life. So this is like a breath, a breath of fresh air when I listen to this podcast. So I'm just really excited to be here, uh, on an episode or two and to be able to, to do this with you guys. So thanks for having me again. <laughs> All, all three, because because we may have to go to three. I, I already know <laughs> it's going to be three, so we we we're going to have her back again. Um, I, and I agree with both of you. You know, I, it's it's one of those things that the hunger for the word. Um, that is my desire. You know, if I if I had any desire for any human being, is to hunger to know. You know, I we in all of our writings and everything that we we do, um, you'll see 
encounter God, discover truth, right? That's that's like a, a mark that marks my life. It marks the ministry's life. It's like we want, if, 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 if anyone knows my heart, that's my heart. I want folks to encounter God and discover his truth. Because once you encounter him, his word is so alive and it's so amazing. And, and there's so much life in it, right? And so when you eat of the tree of, the, uh, of, of life, you just feel alive, you know? And it's, Amber, like you said, it's sometimes even when we're reading, when we hear, we're like, oh, something just jumps out and pops out uh, and it's amazing. But I want those to understand, if you have any questions, go to the Wave Columbus uh, uh, at gmail.com, uh, the Wave Columbus at gmail.com. If you don't like to use Gmail, you can go to Daniel at the Wave Columbus.com. Either one of those emails work, Daniel at the Wave Columbus.com or the Wave Columbus uh, at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, write us some notes. You know, uh, if you have, if you need to teach us some things, you know, send some scriptures to us that we can meditate. I want to read Joshua 1 8. I want to start with Joshua 1 8 this morning uh, because this is my encouragement to everyone that's listening. Uh, and again, we'll probably do, we take our time with this because this is a, a, a this is a, a big topic. I mean, and we know this, we, we, we going into this topic very humble and very, uh, very uh, hearing our, our Abba, what he wants to say about the mark of the beast, the 66, the scriptures. Uh, today, we're going to uh, tackle the, 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 the rapture theory. You know what I mean? All these are important topics. Uh, that need to be discussed, that has to be discussed, that have to be midrash. And so this Joshua 1.8 just hit me in my heart this week. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night, that you observe it, not only meditate, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success, right? our lives and the prosperity of it and the, and the success and, and, and success is through a biblical point of view, not an American point of view. I had to just point that out, right? Um, which is oneness with the Lord, right? You won't have that unless you meditate on this, you observe it to do, but part of it is meditating on it, you know? And we have to take time. Meditation is not a yoga thing. It's a biblical thing, right? I know folks are like, well, now you're talking about yoga, no. It says right here, I didn't write this down, to meditate. <laughs> you know, part of the believer's life is to meditate on scripture. Um, so I know uh, I throw that scripture out on you guys. Uh, you guys can give you comments and then we're going to move to the next scripture before we start. Yeah, I, I have I have meditate kind of circled in my Bible. And I think if we're going to look at it from a perspective, it's it's basically chewing on the word. It's It's reading, it's getting it in chewing on it digesting it really ruminating on it to a certain extent so that you can start to hear what the holy spirit wants to tell you about the the scriptures and and i think it's very powerful this being in the old testament for for god to, to say to joshua who's a leader hey you this is important you got to meditate on this and get this in you so that then it will it will lead your life I think that's the big thing that stood out to me out of it. I love it. Yeah, I think when we talk about um, meditating on the word, one thing that when I'm spending time reading the word that I try to focus on is allowing the word and the Holy Spirit to speak to me and not me trying to speak into the word or breathe life <laughs> into the word coming from me. 
And that's really actually harder to do than you think, because we come at any piece of scripture with a lens of our own and our own experiences and all of the sermons and podcasts and YouTube things that we've seen and heard before. That's all in the back of your head when you're reading scripture. So um, that would be my encouragement, you know, reading Joshua 1.8 is that when you're and, and I need to do a better job of this too, but when you're when you're meditating on scripture, allow the Holy Spirit and allow the scripture to speak to you and breathe life into you, not the other way around. So just try to remove all of those um, preconceived notions um, from your mind and actually try to look at it with a fresh heart and fresh eyes. That way, you know, we're not making assumptions about what we think, you know, Jesus would have said unless he actually said it. Did he actually act that way or what he, you know, looked like? Is that really what he would have looked like? All those things, you know, that you bring with you into your meditation time. I just, you know, one thing I'm trying to do, so I want to share with our listeners is to try to shake all that stuff off, leave your baggage at the door when you open your Bible and really allow it to speak to you, read it for what it really says and not what you think it says or what somebody told you it says. Um, And that's actually a lot more difficult than I'm making it sound, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you're 100% correct because what it is is observation, right? How do you observe somebody? Well, you be quiet and you observe them. So the word meditation is observe, right? Because when we read the scriptures and you guys both hit it, it's not, it's not even what can I get out of it? How can I learn the nature of God? Right. right? How can I learn what my father is thinking through and how his characteristics are flowing through this piece of literature? Right. And so when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it through the lens like, man, the father is this way or the father is that way. And sometimes it's like, are you really that way? And he's like, just observe me a little bit more. So, right. And so the meditation is, is I, I look at it as, as observation. Right? How do you want to get to know somebody? Well, observe them. Look at what they do. Look at how they act. Look at right. You, you and, and then as you're looking at it and I'm seeing them, they're like, oh, they're this kind of person because I've seen them in this environment. I've seen and mm-hmm. so it's just taking that posture of, I'm not, oh, because we read scripture a lot of times like, oh, the, the Lord got to give me a word today, you know, I need mm-hmm. encouragement, right? And, and and again, I think that's a byproduct of it, right? I'm not going to say that's not there, but that's not the aim. The aim is to mm-hmm. learn him, to learn the father, to learn the son, and to learn the Holy Spirit. And that's a beautiful way of intimate relationship because that's what we do in marriage, right? We spend time with one another. We observe one another. We listen to one another, right? So that we can do what? So that I can get, oh, I just want to get what I want to get from it. No, I get to learn this person and feel them and know who they are. And it's a beautiful symphony. It's a beautiful symphony. Um, I want to go to First uh, Thessalonians 5, 22, uh, 21. And it says this, test all things, hold fast to what is good. Now, and it's funny and, and befitting that this is after some of the most uh, talked about scriptures in, in the, at least in the last 200 years are found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5. It is, it, is, it is not a coincidence that Paul understood that people are probably going to take him out of context and are probably going to make up some theological things that are probably not right. But he says, test it. Test all things, hold fast to what is good. Uh, it starts out in verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise property, verse 20, test all things, verse 21, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil, the next word. So hold fast, test it and hold fast to what is good, because sometimes 
Some things are going to creep in. Some thought patterns are going to creep in. That is probably not the right thought pattern. So you got to get what's good out of it and, and hold fast to that. But test it. And so what I'm, what I'm asking for those who listen to us, meditate on what we're saying. Right? Meditate on all the scriptures we're giving you. We're going to talk about all the scriptures. There's not, we're going to talk about Matthew 24. The, he's coming like a thief in the night. We're going to talk about that today. Right? And see what does that word mean? What is the Greek word, right? Let's really find out. You know, is he coming? Because that's the mind. He's coming like a secret. No, that's not what that means, right? So we're gonna go, and so we're gonna look at these things. But test it. Go for yourself. Do your own Greek studies, right? Like concordances are everywhere now, right? So go and search out for yourself so that you can get the truth of the Word of God. And so that's what I, that's what I want to encourage folks to to really test what we're saying. Uh, to take it through the fire, and uh, and we're gonna jump in it. I think we left in, and if you guys want to jump in and say anything, but you know you can, you can interrupt me anytime. But we left reading the last time. We read a whole chapter. We went verse by verse. You know what I mean? It was long. You know what I mean? But hopefully, uh, when you when you read it uh, in Mark, uh, I think we 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 left off on Mark thirteen. Yep. So we did Mark yep. 13. Uh, we did a little bit of Matthew 24, but really we just read Mark 13, the whole chapter, like ready to get it. So I wanted to go and jump into Daniel because I told you that we will go straight into Daniel from there um, and see what Daniel says. So uh, do you guys have anything to say before we jump into this, guys? I just I just think just kind of ending what you what you said in First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, that whatever is heard that, that we're saying, uh, I love the encouragement, especially for Paul to, hey, test it, jump in, read it for yourself, do, do your due diligence and do your studies. Um, don't just try to combat potentially what we're saying today is hear it and then read it for yourself. I think that's a big thing that we're encouraging. Awesome. So in Mark 13, we went into like flee to the mountain, flee to Judea and, and that, right? So we want to go to Daniel 12 because we want to jump back into the prophecy of Daniel about the abomination of desolation. And then a number that you also mentioned last week, Ryan, when you read the earlier chapters in Daniel with the thousand plus days. So let's go to Daniel 12, 9 through 11. So mm -hmm. Daniel chapter 12, 9 through 11. And it says, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, refined, uh, but the wicked shall be do wicked, wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the day sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,000 290 days, which is what? We talked about it the last time, three and a half years. Yep. Right? Yep. So there's yep. three and a half years that in the 42 months that we talked about, and, and we'll go back into that when we started in Revelations 11, right? Because remember, we started Revelations 11 learning that, hold up, this is about a 42-month period, and it's about Israel, right? Here, Daniel says the same thing with the abomination of desolation. Now, we learned in 13 that, that what the abomination of desolation was, right? It's the desecration of 
The Temple Mount is where Jerusalem is at, is when they begin to start taking Jehovah out of there, Yeshua, and bringing idols and this beast, right, which are two beasts and the dragon are going to come in and have this triune being, and they're going to be worshipped from the Temple Mount. That's the abomination of desolation. But here, Daniel's prophesying uh, really what's going to happen in Revelation 13. And guys, stop me anytime you need to stop me. But we're going to go back to Revelation 13, 5 to 10, so we can see, again, the mention of the 42 months um, and what Daniel's talking about. But I know you had a Daniel verse. If you want to read it again, I think it was Daniel 9 that you read, Ryan, the last time. Kind of gives you the same kind of numbers also. If not, we'll jump into Revelation 13, 5. Let me see. It was Daniel. It was Daniel 7, uh, 25. Go ahead and read that. Yeah. And I, I just kind of have it segmented. Uh, but let me get there for you. All right. Yeah. 725 uh, says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and a half a time, which that translates, uh, when I looked it up, to 1,260 days, which if it's based on the 360-day Jewish calendar, that equates to three and a half years. So the 42 months. Now, what does it say there about the saints? Because that's very uh, important. Yep. Uh, then the saints uh, shall be given into his hand. Okay. That's very important. Remember, Daniel is prophesying what's to come. Let's go to Revelation 13, 5 to 10. And let's read what John is hearing Jesus tell him about this time and unfolding what Daniel is saying. So we read Daniel 7, uh, we read Daniel 9, we read that these days, the 42 months keep on coming up. We didn't make this up. Daniel didn't make this up. God is talking about a 42 month period, three and a half years, all 1,200 plus days. Revelation 13, five and 10 through 10 says, and he the beast was given a month, a mouth, sorry, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority, uh, authority to continue for how long? 42. 42 months. Again, the three and a half years, right? So this, is, this should not take anybody by surprise, right? This should be, again, when our eyes are open, our eyes should always be open to what is happening in Israel, right? Because the moment the abomination of desolation happens, we can start marking the calendar. This is a 42-month period that there's going to be tribulation. Now, um, I just got to mention this because folks mention to this all the time. Daniel, you're going to, Daniel, you're telling me that, you, that we serve a God that allows his people to be punished? The moment someone states that statement to me, I already know they're Americans that live in America because that's an American statement. I just got to say it. Can, I, can we talk <laughs> about that for a second? That is an American statement. For you to think that... All through the history of the church, the 2,000 years of the history of the church, all we've seen is persecution. Actually, 
Jesus tells you, you will be persecuted for his sake. Actually, Peter tells you, it is the will of God for you to be persecuted. So for us to think that we equate a God's love by us not going through nothing on earth is totally an American mindset because right now in 2021, which is 2021, there are 96% of the world, there are hundreds of thousands of believers that are now living in a bad situation, in a persecuted situation. And so have you guys heard that when folks, you know, like, oh, we can't go through something. How can I, because I hear this a lot. People always challenge me and say, well, you know, we can't, you know, God's got to get us out of here because we can't go through. What are you talking about? People are going right now, getting their heads cut off, getting their tongues cut off. Just go to the voiceofthemartyrs.com. Go to the voiceofthemartyrs.com and you will know that there are people getting martyred today for Jesus. I think, I think it's really, like you said, just we're in a we're in a time where there's a hyper grace era and and i feel like a there's a tendency almost to give your life to christ i'm speaking from being living in america now give your life to christ and see all the and you believe all the prosperity and all the the great things that's going to happen well if i give my life to the lord it's going to make my life so much better um and I'm saying this from a material sense, because I see I, I've heard that before, but yet you have no clue what's going on outside of your own little microcosm. You, you've never dove into what's happening in Israel or in China or uh, in Central America uh, for people that are our followers. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I have heard it. And it's just very much a small, a small view. You don't you don't know those individuals don't have a necessarily a worldview on what is actually happening to the church or what has happened to the church um, from a historical context. And I'll let Amber chime in for that as well. Um, I think the only thing I would say to that is that we follow a crucified Christ and that's very sobering and humbling, um, but that's our example. And so, um, well, you know, I, I do thank the Lord for the, the comforts and the blessings that I have in my life, uh, especially living here in America in modern times. Um, I mean, that's such a great blessing, but I don't think it's like a guaranteed part of the package <laughs> that when I gave my life to Christ, that there's some, you know, gift basket of comfort that comes with that. We have the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. Um, and you know, the Lord provides us peace that surpasses all understanding, but you wouldn't need peace that surpasses all understanding. If your life was just supposed to be, you know, easy with no issues ever encountered once you give your life to Christ. So I think the, the idea that he is our peace that surpasses all understanding should tell you right there that we're going to come upon some hardships. The word's really clear about that. And, um, there's blessing in that too, because, you know, in my weakness, he is strong. And so Come like, on. bless God for Come that. On. Thank God for that. But yeah, so we follow a crucified Christ. So, you know, when things are good here, I bless the Lord. And if things are not good here, I bless the Lord because I know that he's defeated it in the end. A hundred percent correct. Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles or tribulations, but don't worry, be, be of good cheer for I will deliver you from them all. Right. And we know that Paul talks about the testing of the faith, right? 
that produces the patience that we need, right? We need patience and we're gonna see uh, John speak about this patience of the saints that we're gonna need mm. in this last hour, the patience for our faith, the endurance that we're gonna need. So let's keep on reading. Then he opened his mouth, him being the, the beast, opened his mouth, blaspheming against God. Remember, this is gonna be the, the, the abomination and desolation, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. So he's like going at God. He's gonna go at God from a tabernacle point of view here, he's gonna go, why? Because we know the abomination of desolation is gonna happen. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Yeah, that's a sobering, that's sobering mm -hmm. right there. Like when, mm -hmm. when, when you read Daniel prophesying to us that the saints was gonna go through some issues, he says that it, the beast was granted to him, right? So remember, nothing happens without permission, right? It was granted them to make war with him and to overcome the saints. Now, I didn't write this down. It's just sobering to read and go, hold up, what? And he says, and all authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose name have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So what does it mean? Everybody that doesn't serve him, the Lord, haven't had his name written, is going to say yes to that when they see what they would think the modern day Jesus, the modern day God performing mm -hmm. these powers and acts, they're going to worship him unless your name is written. If your name is written, you're going to be overtaken by this beast, right? But it says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads, and this is so important, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. So for those who think, well, you know, I'm getting my guns ready. Oh my goodness, I just said something. That's, uh, <laughs> whew. Uh, let me, uh, listen, I have no issues with guns. I just want to say that before I say this, you know, I, <laughs> I won't even go to that topic. But listen, this is what it says. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. So that means if you take up a sword to fight this thing naturally, you're going to be overtaken. So what he's saying, basically, this is not a carnal thing. You can think you can try to fight this, but this is, has to happen because God said it had to happen. So don't try to fight it, right? Because if not, you're going to die the way that you're trying to fight. So if you think, mm. oh, taking up a gun or taking up a sword is the way I'm going to fight this, he said, you're going to die that way. But this is what he wants. Here, here is the patience and the faith of the saints of what we were talking about earlier. He's saying, you got to be patient. Saints, you got to have faith, right? That God is allowing you to go through this and that you're being overcome for a specific reason. So just chill out. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's that these things must happen before what? And all of this, we have to understand this. Jesus is coming to rule. Jesus is coming to be king over all the earth. That is the end result. That is the goal. So whatever you go, if you listen, if you look at everything that we said and don't believe it, if you believe in there's three versions of the of, of this thing, the, 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 the pre-trib, the, the, the mid-trib or the post-trib, whatever you believe, we know this, that Jesus is coming to rule and reign, right? We know the outcome is that there's going to be a glorious king that will have king, he will be the king of king and Lord of lords. And he will, he has the victory. Not that he's going to have the victory. He already has the victory, right? 
And so we understand that's the promise. So whatever the encouragement that John has given us, be encouraged through all this because there's a promise that he's going to be king. And so, man, how, when you guys read that, what, what comes to your mind? Because we read some sobering things like the saints will be overcome here. That's that's big. No, absolutely, Danny. And I, I think one of the huge things which is talked about in verse 10 is patience and faith. I mean, they go together, patience and faith of, of the saints, which, which we are. And I, I think we have to look at it from a lens of this is going to happen sometime, not we're going to, I, I think we get in a tendency where we, we sometimes pray so that a situation like this is, we're not going to face it. And this, it's written like right here, like it's, it, it's how it's going to take place so that then the Lord is going to come and he's going to reign. And I'm, I, I think praying for things and, and, and seeing things happen is, is what we're, we're called to do. We're, we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to be in faith. But I think there are certain things that are written down that are going to take place that aren't going to be altered because this has to happen in order for the Lord to then come and take his rightful place as king coming back. So I think the patience and the faith really jumped out because if we know this is going to happen, we have to have patience and we have to have faith in our Lord so that then he can come back and, and reign. That's what really jumped out to me for sure. Yeah. I was thinking about when you were reading this passage that, um, actually Daniel chapter 12 verse 7 confirms what you're saying here in Revelation so if anybody is saying like oh this is just an interpretation of one verse um do you mind if I read this really quick no I want so, you to yeah let's Daniel go. um okay so Daniel chapter 12 verse 7 says then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river and when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time times and half a time and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered all these things shall be finished mm. so yeah that's that is for sure sobering um but i guess the reason i'm reading that is just to say that this is um written about in more than one place in scripture so it's not you know taken out of context this isn't just our interpretation of something um that's that's what the word says and you know i'm trying to think about like why would the power of the holy people you know be shattered like who who would give the authority for that to happen i know we're about to get into that so i'm, I'm excited to to read about like how does this come about and why um but but it does say that that's what's going to happen and that's actually what's going to trigger jesus coming back right because yeah. if our power as the holy people, if the holy people's power is completely shattered, then we need the king. And exactly it's going to be right. him. It's going to be him. It's going to be Jesus who solves this thing. It's going to be Jesus who finishes it because he already finished it. It's not going to be us. Which is, I think sometimes, and, and I love that you said that because I think we, we govern in a way sometimes that we get confused because we think we're going, we, we're the ones that are going to overtake. We're the ones that, so we get right. even confused like um 
I know I'm going to step on some toes when I say this. Even like the, the seven mountain situation. Oh, I'm going to get over this mountain. I'm going to take over this mountain. When we get into that language, we are governing in a way that we don't understand. In the end of the day, we're not the kings. In the end of the day, there's only one king. And that's the king over everything, right? So mm -hmm. I don't want I don't want to be the king of the mountain of, of, of entertainment. I don't want to be the king of the mountain. He's the king over everything, right? And so we start governing in a way that we want to either push this away or act like this is not going to happen. So like even in our, in our governance system in America, we want, oh, we got to fight this. We got to fight this. We got to fight this. We got to fight that. And we was like, do you really have to fight it? Or can you understand that you're not of this world? Can you understand that we serve a different kingdom and our kingdom is not democratic? And our kingdom is not Republican. Our kingdom is the kingdom of God. And so when you govern through that way, you look at things differently. You're not trying to be king over any mountain. You're saying, I want Jesus to be king. But in the end, we know he's only going to be king when he himself delivers his people. Right? right. And he reigns and rules the way he wants to. Right. Yeah. He's not going to be because we prayed for this specific mountain that, mm. that he's going to be king. No, you have to go through this filter. Right. You can't skip the process of Revelations 13. The saints can't or Daniel chapter seven or Daniel chapter nine or Daniel chapter 12. We can't skip those processes and say we just want to get to the end and we're going to pray that. No, there is a process to the end. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing it his way, we just say yes to the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, nowhere in here so far have I heard about, you know, getting your guns ready or you know saving up food that we're supposed to be doing that or not doing that or you know it's very clear to me that at some point in this process it won't be on us anymore there's nothing we're going to be able to do and so that's the point that's you know we have to get to that point in order for the end to come in order for the king to come so that's sobering it might be really hard to hear that but um you know that's <laughs> that's what it says so at the end of the day exactly that's, right. you know that's what's that's what's going to happen. And I think as much as that, that might sound like scary, um, but there's also some great comfort in that is that it's not on us. We don't have to rise up and create some sort of, you know, um, crazy uh, revolution in order to like capture this thing in a bag and just, you know, completely beat it over the head and defeat it. This is, this book is telling us that that's not how it's going to happen. Um, you know, Jesus is the one. So that's a good thing. <laughs> and, and you both touched on D dependency mm -hmm. that, that's what you you both have talked about because i think as humans it's it's nature for us to want to be in control and when we realize or start to realize that we're not as much in control as we think we are that's sometimes very hard uh for people we've talked about a lot danny that we got to be led by the spirit like let's let the holy spirit lead and if you do that, you're actually giving up control and saying, Lord, you're in charge. And I, I trust you wherever you're leading. And I trust what's going to happen because I don't know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. And Lord, I, I trust you. And that's, that's the faith part in this verse 10 that I think the sooner each one of us can get to, the better it's going to be because we're going to be seeing out of his perspective instead of what we hope is going to happen. And it's, and it's, that's where faith and patience, which is the opposite of 
what many times uh, e American evangelicalism operates, right? We operate fear cells. I'm gonna say that again, fear cells. So what we talked about the last time, the left behind series and, and everything, like even, even, you know, we've talked about this uh, together before, like even the way the last, let's say this, the 50 years of evangelicalism in this country, a lot of it has been based out of fear, right? The fear of, you know, the Cold War, it started with the Cold War, you know, Russia's coming to get us, you know what I mean? The Berlin Wall, we gotta, oh, we gotta fight. You know, if you don't get saved, you know, this thing is gonna happen. Then after the, the, the wall, the Berlin Wall came down and after uh, all that was taken, then then the evangelicals, what's the other thing we fear? Oh, the fear of culture, you know, culture's coming, mm -hmm. the war of culture is, you know, they're gonna come get your kids. They're gonna, cry. and then, so we based our evangelicalism, our belief system on fear, which is again, basing your life on the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which the word says, we should not partake of that tree. We partake of the tree of life, right? So I'm not fearing that, oh, this monster is gonna grab my kids. I'm trusting in God because they are God's kids and they belong to him, right? And so the faith and, and the encouragement of John here is so powerful because the church needs to boost the faith. And I'm, I'm talking to the American church. Listen, we need faith again. We need to believe that God's in control again. We have this thing that God is under control and it, it, it's, yeah, we have choice, but he, in the end of the day, he's in control of it all, right? And mm -hmm. he still gives us choice that we have to choose to believe him or not, right? Or to choose to walk with him every day. But in the end, there's a sovereignty to what's going to happen and Jesus is going to reign, but this must happen. Now, I'm going to go mm -hmm. to 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 to 18. I'm going to open a can of worms and we won't get to... <laughs> We won't get to Revelations 19 or Zechariah 14. We won't get to those. So we'll have to go to number three because those are going to just take a long to just even go through those scriptures because uh, we want to end well. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4 because in this whole mist of understanding, um, understanding the end times and understanding what Revelation is talking about in this that the saints are going to go through something Many people will point to these scriptures to go, well, no, we're going to leave this place before we go through anything. So let's tackle it. I know it's the elephant in the room. It's the rapture. It's where do we find the rapture? And, and, and so what number one scripture people read? So I got to read the whole thing in context because the number one scripture people talk about when they talk about the rapture is 1 Thessalonians 4.17. But that's out of context. I must say before I start this, that the word rapture is not mentioned in the Bible. Now we're gonna to go to a little history of the rapture and why that thing is what it is. But I'm gonna read the scriptures, get your thoughts on it. And then we're just gonna run down a little history of what the rapture is. And then we're gonna tackle some scriptures like in Matthew 24, deep in the night in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. So, uh, and you guys can stop me anytime. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 to 18. But concerning brotherly love, this is Paul saying, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So we knew that the Thessalonian church, which is the first church that Paul is talking to, is the first church that he preached to. He's like, you guys got love well. Now we know there's other some some of the other churches that have very issue in this love situation, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, for example, if uh, Ephesus, uh, the 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 Corinthians, they have issues. 
this church didn't have the issue of this subject. So he's like, I don't even have to tackle this subject with you. You guys are living, you know, John 13, 34, right? The new commandment I give you, love one another just as I do. They doing that. Indeed, you do so towards all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life to mind your own business. I just had to yell that loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not write this. I, I, I just got to let you know. <laughs> I got to stop right here. Sometimes lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. I just got to say it again. It's in the Bible. And what do I mean by that? And I know before we got on, on, on the air, we talked about this. I just got to pause it for one second. Listen. Hi, help me, Lord. These are some things that I think we have to talk about. You know what I mean? Because... They're important to talk about because we have to help people through their process. There's this thing, whole thing uh, right now, American Christianity. I, I just even hate to use the term evangelicalism. I just do. I just a follow of Jesus. And the follow of Jesus that you got these anti-vaxxers and these pro-vaxxers, right? And it's like, well, if you serve Jesus, you're on this side. If you serve Jesus, you're on that side. Can I just tell you, mind your own business. I know that seems offensive, but what I'm telling <laughs> you is this. It could be that the Holy Spirit told one family, you need to get vaccinated. It could also be true at the same time that the Holy Spirit told another family, don't get vaccinated. Both of those could be true. Does mm -hmm. not mean that you know God better. Doesn't mean that you hear God better. Doesn't mean that that other person, because you heard this, they're wrong and you're right. It just means that in their journey with the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit knows the outcomes of life. So he's leading and guiding to truth. Those two things don't have to be opposites. They don't have to be contrary. They don't have to fight. We do this thing great where we fear and we fight. We fear and we fight. That has nothing to do with the scriptures. The scripture is faith and love. Faith and love we're fear and fight it's like oh they doing that differently then they can't hear god no maybe god told them to do that mm -hmm. uh i just want to open this up do you guys hear that the fights <laughs> and the stuff and the two sides and, and and two believers and then these christians are getting mad at each other because like no i'm right and really pride is what's there do you guys see that have you guys experienced that oh oh yes <laughs> oh goodness yeah because us as a family um, have chosen one way to do to do things and, and get vaccinated and um, take maybe extra precautions that others have chosen not to that that we're, we're friends with. And um, it's almost as though some may have even thought that we're not hearing the Lord and they're hearing the Lord more clearly. And the truth of the matter is that Amber and I both have prayed about it. We, we both said, Hey, we feel like the Lord is saying this for our family. So this is how we're going to operate with it. And then there's others that we know that said, you know, I feel like the Lord is telling me this and that I'm not supposed to get vaccinated. And that's, and, and when, when you when we have when we have friends and we talk like that then it's very cordial but we've also experienced the hey 
you must not have heard the Lord, my friend. And it's like, uh, I think the Lord was pretty clear with, with us and our family situation that this is, this is how we're, we're going to do it. And yeah, it's very much that I've seen it firsthand. I've also seen it in society as a whole, like, well, you're, you're choosing one side, like which side are you choosing? And well, God's with this side, not with this side. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, are you hearing from the spirit? Or are you just listening to what one side of a community, say the evangelical community is saying, and as a whole, if you're not with them, I don't know if you're hearing the Lord, my friend. And that's been, that's been kind of a struggle, truly, like Amber and I will look at each other and say, so are we hearing the Lord right on this? It seems like everyone's saying this, and we're kind of looking at it on the other side. Are we being too cautious? Are we hearing the Lord right? Um, so those are just some real authentic conversations that we've had in, in our life. And I'll let her mm-hmm. chime in a little bit as well. Cause I know she, <laughs> we've talked a lot about this. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. So we have our own reasons for why we chose, you know, to get vaccinated and those aren't other people's reasons. You know, we have, uh, like I'm actually high risk for COVID. Um, I have a heart condition, even as a young person, my mom has a condition Um, You know, I have a a little guy at home. Uh, He's young. He's not old enough to get vaccinated. So it's just the decision that we made. And here's the thing is that this process has been, um, hasn't been smooth for me, right? Sometimes it's been a little bit ugly. In fact, I'm guilty of being ugly and questioning people just as they've questioned me. I've made people feel like um, this is like, woo, this is like come to truth moment. (laughs) I have actually made people you know, accidentally, it wasn't intentionally, but I've made people uh, feel like, um, you know, if they were not vaccinated, maybe I was suspicious of them and whether or not they might be sick. Um, That's horrible. You know, this idea that, you know, maybe they would think that if they were not vaccinated, since I am, you know, maybe I wouldn't want to be around them. And and that's horrible. That that has made me um, really pray even harder to the Lord about this issue. Um, You know, but yeah, so we definitely prayed about it. We sought the Lord and, um, and we felt like that was the right decision for our family, given our situation and the physical things, the physical uh, ailments that, that we deal with that we have not been healed from as of yet. And uh, I feel like other people may very well also be hearing the Lord quite clearly and make a different decision. And the reason that I believe that that's very true um, coming from, you know, through this experience where I've come now is because um, one time I was praying about this issue. And I was asking the Lord, you know, if it's really the Holy Spirit speaking to me, Lord, why would you be telling me one thing and somebody another? I literally (laughs) asked the Lord, you know what he told me? I knew it was from Job, but I didn't even remember what verse it was. Mm -hmm. But I heard very clearly in my head, where were you? And I knew exactly what the (laughs) Lord was saying to me. Because I've struggled with the book of Job, by the way, I've struggled and struggled with this book. Oh boy, the Lord knows that Genesis is my favorite book and Job is my least favorite book. Not Revelation, (laughs) it's the book of Job, Lord. So I heard him say, where were you? And he didn't have to finish it. And I went to Job 38, Mm four, and I read, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely, you know. And I was like, Lord, (laughs) <laughs> oh lord surely i don't know so i'm gonna go ahead i'm believing that i did hear from you uh i'm gonna go ahead and get my vaccine i'm gonna mind my own business because Listen. i don't know and where was i 
I was not anywhere. So Lord, this is your show. And, and I just kind of thought I need to be quiet about this. So that was my lesson. I hope that blessed somebody. <laughs> Man, it blessed me. And, and, and what Paul is getting at here, he's saying, let love, like prefer your neighbor. And, yeah. and again, pride and arrogance says, well, I know God better than you. And you know God better than, and it's like, no, 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 no. God could be telling you both to do what he's telling you to do mm -hmm. because of the journey that you have with God, right? No, it's a personal journey with the Lord. And again, a lot of these are, not, are secondary situations to the mm -hmm. primary, right? Even, even this whole study, is a, it, whether you believe in pre, post, mid, you, whether you believe in, 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 in uh, you know, pre-millennial dispensationalism, Whatever it is, these are secondary to we know that Jesus is Lord <laughs> and yes. that he will be king and reign, right? And so yeah. in these secondary matters, right, let's love, like, I believe, I even if, if it's opposite of what I think, if you believe it and that's what God is telling you, I have to believe it for you and say, man, bless you, right? I can't have the spirit of judgment because that judgment, mercy triumphs over judgment, right? Mm mercy triumphs over death so i don't have the spirit of judgment towards you i only have the spirit of love and so paul is telling be quiet he said to mind your own business to work with your own hands as we have commanded you that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing now the heading of the next verses is comfort of christ coming but I do not want you to be ignorant. So he's like, this is what I need to talk to you about, right? The love situation, you got it. You guys are understanding that love, mind your own business. Let that person walk with the Lord. And so we mm -hmm. covered that because I wanted folks to understand God could be telling you and your neighbor two different things, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the journey. Oh, we got a confusing God. No, he's just that personal. He's that personable mm -hmm. that he wants to lead you into some stuff. And it may not be about somebody else. It may just be about you. Right. And that's that journey. Yeah. Right. Um, but I do not want you to be ignorant. So he's like, hold up. I don't want you to be ignorant of this, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means for those who don't know what that means, those who were dead. So there was an issue here about dead people. People that had died before. So it arose in the Thessalonian church. Love you got. But you're talking about dead people. Are we going to are dead people going to be with us? Are we going to rise with dead people? Are dead people going to know us? What's that? He said, all right, let's talk about this. Lest your, your sorrow as others who have no hope. He said, listen, people that die without no hope, without Jesus, he said, you have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those, listen to this, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Subject matter is those who have died to die in the Lord. They are worrying. Are they going to resurrect too? Are we going to be resurrected with them? And he's giving them hope and saying, yes, they're going to rise. But this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the, unto the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. So listen, if, we, if you're alive and, and God comes, you're, the, the sleeping people, something's going to happen to them, and I'm about to tell you. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, somebody underlined that, because I didn't write that down. It says with a shout. So for those who think that this thing is going to be a secret, sir, agent, 
All right, the rapture is about this stupid thing. And, 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 and again, I'm going to get into what the rapture is, why the rapture theories, but this is one of the scriptures that folks use as the next scripture for the rapture. You know what I mean? To think that Jesus is coming the third three times is not true. There's no way in scripture that Jesus says that he's coming three times. There's only two comings. To think that he's coming, again, the terminology is like a thief in the night, which again, mm -hmm. that thief does not mean, uh, um, it does not mean secret. It means unexpected. <laughs> and the word yep. does not mean uh, someone that's robbing. The word actually means false teachers. We're going to get into that. I'm going to give you the Greek word to that, right? But for those who say he's going to be quiet and they use this next verse as it, it says there's a shout with the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God. <laughs> trumpet. Now we know there's going to be a trumpet and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians here, 15, 51 to 55. We're going to see what that trumpet is. Later on, and probably in the next podcast, we're going to get into Revelation, the, the, the seven trumpets. We know the last trumpet that we sound. So hear the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. He who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. The word there, clouds, doesn't mean heaven. It means what it means, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words, with the words of comfort, wife. Don't worry about those who are dead. They're going to rise. They're going to meet Jesus at the clouds with us. Now, the word caught up here is not the word rapture that people say. It's the word harparzo in Greek, which is to seize, to carry off by force, to pull, to pluck. So he says, I'm going to by force, because there's going to be a big trumpet, sound by force i'm going to get my saints to meet me if anyone knows the period of time that paul's talking to he's talking to people that understand a kingly procession and how a king enters in when a king enters in the folks of the king meet him at the gate and then the king leads his people in so the picture here is from Revelation, and we're going to read Revelation 21. We won't get there this time, but we're going to read it where we're going to meet him in the air. We're going to come with him, with the saints are going to come with him for that he can reign and rule. This is not a secret thing. It's not a secret rapture. It's not something that's going to be done in secrecy. It's going to be done in the open. It's going to be shout. It's going to be done with a trumpet, right? So for those who think that it's going to be secret, it's not found in scripture. Right? The word caught up here does not mean rapture. The word caught up means carry off by force. It means that we're going to meet him in the air. Yes, we're going to meet him in the air, but to come to establish his kingdom with him. What do you guys see by that? And what have you guys heard about the rapture? Because I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 50, 15, uh, 51, and then we're going to talk about the rapture theory real quick. But what do you guys see on just in there? Is there anything there talking about the rapture? Is there anything there talking about secrecy, a secret way of he's coming in? How do you guys interpret the very famous scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, that people use as the rapture scripture? Well, well as we've talked before, Danny, and, and I've listened to a lot of different people talk about it, and I've mentioned to you that 
they they always mention first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 17 and they always go to the word caught up and caught up when rapture was put in there that's an english word and i'm i'm so glad that you brought what the greek translation is because we need to go back to the original the original language so that we have a, an actual idea but I think it's pretty clear if they actually read the verse before, verse 16, where it says, you know, he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. Okay, that that shout is talked about in Revelation 1917. It, it, yes. it says it like it quotes about the shout and it talks about the trumpet, the final trumpet in there. There, there is like if you can look and, and read in revelation, then there is no rapture coming from that. It's talking about like Jesus is coming. Like this is the second coming. And I think that whenever, whenever it was written about and, and, and people plugged in, you know, rapture for caught up. I, it's very hopeful that you don't have to go through any difficult times. I think that there's some type of, shaping of that but it's never okay so we were saying um that in verse 15 it says that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the lord um so you know my question to you guys would be why does this verse say those who are alive and remain like wouldn't there be a bunch of us alive? Wouldn't you remain after what? Like what? <laughs> so I guess, you know, the point that, I, that I'm trying to make is that when Jesus comes back, um, you know, this is very clear, the order of how everything's going to take place, that those who have already passed away, um, they're going to rise first. And then those who are alive and remain. And what I'm trying to say here is what I'm reading this as. So please correct me if you think I'm wrong, is it's those who are alive and remain still after the tribulation that we're talking about because not everybody will still be alive and remaining alive um you know that's why in verse 17 it says again then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them those who are going to rise first because they were asleep and um together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the lord therefore comfort one another with these words why does the word of god tell us to comfort one another with these words if there wasn't something that we would need comforting from and so that's why for me the um the traditional rapture theory that's held here in america that the church is going to be pulled out before the tribulation this this pre-trib rapture theology to me when i'm reading this i'm not seeing that um so you know i just you know that's kind of how i grew up thinking things were going to happen but when i'm reading this for myself i'm seeing a lot of you know comfort each other with this this is your hope um you know and the whole alive and remain thing means that something's going to happen not everybody's going to still be alive and remaining so that means there will be some people who remain until the very end and who will be caught up like you were saying forcefully um, in the air with the Lord. But why is it that in this scripture, in this text here, why was the church even concerned with all of the people who were asleep in Christ? I mean, were they, you know, it could just be that they were concerned and asking about this uh, because they were concerned about all the people who were Christians who've already passed away for all time. But, you know, I kind of think it could be because in the end, they're going to see a lot of people pass away. Um, 
And so they're concerned about what happened to their brothers and sisters that passed away during the tribulation. What's going to happen to them? You know, that's, that's messed up. That's not right. And so this is comforting to know that, um, you know, while a lot of people may be, it says like, you know, uh, slain with a sword or led into captivity, like, don't fear because we're all going to be together with the Lord in the clouds. So they're not, you know, dead and gone forever. So, okay. So that's my thought. <laughs> so in, in context, this is actually talking to Thessalonian folks that are losing family. That's a context. Okay. They have a lost family that had died. That's the context okay. here. So their hearts are being troubled because they're believing I'm never going to see them again. Right. Okay. And, and so I'm having an issue with those who have died in Christ. Paul's clearing up in their mm. hearts to give them a hope and saying, listen, don't worry about it. Just because they died. Now remember, they, they you know, the, the Roman, the Roman, the Roman government, the, what, what the, the tyrannies, that the teachings that they're hearing is you have to pay, you know, you have to go through this. If you're dead, you have to go through these valleys. You have to go through Shiloh. Mm -hmm. You have to, so they have all kinds of teachings that they put in their minds through and thinking, you know, Man, the, the, are they in Abraham's bosom? You know, where, where's my mm -hmm. loved ones that are dying in Christ? And Paul's clearing them up to say, don't worry about them because they are going to reign with us. We are all going to reign together. And so that's the context here. Um, another thing that, remember, we can't read one scripture and just, uh, just build a, the a theology on that. Paul talks about this also in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 51. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 50, 50. Uh, well, we can write, start in verse 50. Our final victory is what is, is taught. So verse 50, listen to what it says. Um, and, and you hear the same similar language that Paul is using here. He uses there. Now he says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corrupt inheritance in corruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet. What is Paul saying here? It's exactly what he's saying to the Thessalonians. Listen, you're going to be changed at a twinkling of the eye, and you're going to meet that last trumpet. Is going to, that means not everybody's going to be dead. Some mm -hmm. Christians are going to be dead. Some Christians are going to be alive. But no matter if you're dead or alive, you're going to be changed and transformed into another type of being. And in the twinkling of the eye, right? It says, look at, in a moment in the twinkling of the eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and the dead will be raised uh, incorruptible and we shall be changed. So the dead are going to be raised incorruptibly and then we that are alive are going to be changed, right? But this corruptible must put on incorruptible and the mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has, corruptible has put on incorruptible and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? Right? Mm -hmm. And the sting of death of sin and the strength of his law. So sin is going to be broken. The moment that final trumpet comes, the dead are going to, the incorruptible, right, are going to be uh, corruptible. Uh, the, uh, uh, the way he says it is uh, the, 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 the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. But us that are here, we're also going to be changed. 
So there's going to be a transformation for the dead. There's going to be a transformation alive. We are going to be changed. We're going to be him, and then we're going to come and reign. So that adds to what Paul's saying in First Thessalonians. Listen, he's coming. There's going to be a final trumpet. And he says final trumpet. And here in Thessalonians, he said there's going to be a shout. So it's not going to be something quiet. It's not going to, it's, and it's going to, it's, and you can't take the trumpet out of it. There's going to be a trumpet sound, right? And we got to believe that that trumpet's going to sound. Well, it's going to be the final trumpet, right? And so the dead are going to rise. We're going to rise, but we're not going to rise go to heaven. We're going to meet him in the cloud and lead in the procession of the king that comes in. Now, mm -hmm. where does this rapture theory come from? How did we get it here? Who is the one? Because what we got to understand that this, for, this is, for 1800 years, the church never heard of a theory called the rapture or a teaching. That was not a teaching. You know, we, we 2000 years old, the church, right? 2000 plus years old. For 1800 of those years, now that's a long time. This has never, so where does this come from? Where does this, premillennial dispensationalist eschatology come from, right? It's important for us to know where it comes from so that we can know. Now, there's two theories, right? Uh, in the early 1800s, in 1820, there began a revival in Glasgow, Scotland. And one of the theories says that there was a, a, a young lady and the young lady, her name is Margaret McDonald. So you can go look at Margaret McDonald, had a vision of a pre-tribulation rapture to the church. That's one theory. Now I read the vision. So if you go read the vision of this church, of what she had, she had um, mid-tribulation virgin. I don't think it's pre. Now, she was not the one that brought it. Some The story says that, that a guy, a reverend by the guy, a, a John Nelson Darby, Reverend Darwin became one of the founders of the Plymouth Brethren denomination in the 19th century. Uh, could you guys see me? Yeah. Yep. All right. I lost you for a second, but I'm, I'm going to keep this here. All right. That was downloaded. All right. I'm here. I got you. So, Reverend Darby, some say that he heard Margaret. And he heard what he was saying and he went to the revival. There was a revival, power of God fell in Scotland. He went and he heard what she had to say and he basically started building his theology. Other folks say it has nothing to do with Margaret McDonald. I'm just giving you both sides to it so that you can go do your study yourself. It has nothing to do with her that John uh, Darby, John Nelson Darby, Reverend John Nelson Darby, he already had this in, the, in you know three or four years earlier. He's been preaching this, he's been teaching this. Well. Some credit her, some credit him. We'll just go with him because he was the one that really began to start teaching it loud and letting other people hear it and other people believe it and understand it. So what happens with this theology? So in, in the early 1800s, he then takes, Reverend Darby then comes to the United States and the first person he gets in contact was an evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody. And at the moment, D.L. Moody has a Bible Institute. Uh, he was the founder of, of the Moody Press and they put it out content, right? They put it in constantly content out. And so now he begins to start saying, there's a rapture. There, there, is, there is 
this this word caught up means rapture. We're going to be rapture. We're going to go to heaven. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna escape this world, right? Then Moody then begins to become the spokesman of this theology, right? Dispensationalism. He becomes to and in, in the pre-tribulation rapture theory, and he begins to start teaching it. And now you have a prominent, basically, institute teaching this thing, right? And then later comes out Schofield Bible the CI Schofield Bible came out now I owned a Schofield Bible so those who are listening to me when before I went to seminary I had a Schofield Bible now Schofield Bible went and started infusing the word rapture started using scriptures like Matthew 24 and saying oh right before the rapture and so what happened is that people started looking at it and say oh look the Bible says the rapture the Bible doesn't say that. Those words are not that. Those words were infused by Schofield. Now, I know some people are going to get mad at this because they Schofield loyalists and like my Schofield Bible. It was a <laughs> wrong interpretation, right? Right? And, and so now you have Reverend Darby bringing it to Deal Moody. Deal Moody is in the United States. He's evangelizing it. He's preaching it. Now you have Schofield in the United States releasing this Bible. Right. And now everyone's saying yeah, now you need scholarly work to come and, and, and say, you know, this is a the, the, theological, you know, truth. So now in the 1920s, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary was founded and they take out. Right. Um, and at that time, there was just an institute that went out seminary. Now they're seminary. They take it and they put the scholarly work behind this and they say this rapture theory it's a belief, it's truth. And so now you have the powerhouse of D.L. Moody, the Institute, the Bible College, that what it is. You have them teaching now. Now you have the Dallas Seminary teaching it. Now it becomes a doctrine. Now it becomes a theology. Now it becomes, this is right, this is what the Bible says. Now, mind you, no one's going and doing, a lot of people are doing what we're doing, but no one's talking about it because we don't have technology like we have right now. Right? Is this really real? Is this what it really says? Right? And we just listened to a handful of people that was feeding us stuff that is not even biblical. Right? Now, this is not the first time that wrong theology has been taught. Right? Wrong theology has been taught before. Now it's just this widespread and it became something. Now, what I want us to understand this theology of the rapture became famous not through Scotland, it became famous in America. This is our American evangelicalism doctrine, but it was not a doctrine that the early church had. It is a fairly 200-year-old doctrine, right? It's not the majority of the church for 1,800 years never believed that there was a rapture. They believe what we all believe, that there is a second coming. They just never believed that there was a rapture. Now, for folks to understand, we believe Jesus is coming back. But we don't believe he's coming back to take anybody away. We believe he's coming to establish his kingdom. We believe that he's coming to establish his reign, his rule, and rule rule with all of us. That's what we believe. We do not believe that there's a secret coming, that he's coming through the back door, that there's a Batman cave that's coming to rescue folks, and then we go. That's not what we believe because we don't believe that the scripture says that, right? I, I put out a lot out there. What do you guys have to say with what everything I just said? That was a lot. Well, I, I think the, 
the really good thing is you laid down the historical context and how Mm -hmm. it came to be so that our listeners will be able to dive in to the names that you mentioned. They'll actually be able to see a historical timeline because I think that so many people talk about the rapture and they never explain what you just explained, which is historically where that word actually came from and that it was, it's a American theological doctrine. And I would, I would say, even if you went to other places in the world, if this is an American theological doctrine, place in the world might be like, what are you talking about? It doesn't say that in here. And then us being from America would say, well, well, what do you mean? This is like what we've been taught. And they're like, well, have you, have you read it? And I think that's where it comes down to, are we reading this in the context? Do we know the historical background that the rapture is an English word? It's not, if you read the Greek, it's not there. Um, And so I think we need to, in a sense, be better students because if, if you look at it from that and you're actually a student of the scripture, you'll say, wow, like theologically, this has only been around for 200 years, but the scripture has been around way longer than that. So I think that's what I, I really got out of what you were saying. Yeah, the, the <laughs> word that I wrote down in my notebook as we were talking about context, and I underlined it and it's circled now. Uh, yeah, context is really, really important. And like, that's something that I think uh, like everybody can have more of, and it's really easy to struggle with context. That's why it's so important to talk to other people and to discuss things like this um, and to talk to other, other people who know more than you and who've studied more than you and who, other people who want to study. Um, because without context, it's really easy to like not understand what you're reading or think you understand. It happens to me a lot. But then I realize, wait, hold on a second that's not right. I didn't read it in the whole context. So I, I don't really have anything wonderful to add other than just don't, um, like if you're listening and you're thinking like, man, I've always thought about it this other way. Um, like there's no, like no shame. Like don't, don't feel ashamed of, of that. Like, um, it's, it's not a problem. Just, you know, I encourage you to strive to continue to study and continue to seek after context, both historically and scripturally. Um, that way we're learning and to also seek out discussions with other people who are hungry for the word. But you certainly don't need to feel embarrassed if you you know, have been believing something that now you're reading and like, whoa, you know what? <laughs> I think you know, maybe I didn't understand. That happens to me a lot. And I think um, there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about if you come to realize in your studies that maybe you weren't thinking about it the way you think about it now with more information, that's actually a really good indicator that you're growing and that you're learning. And that's a really healthy and good thing. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, so just, I just want to encourage you that if you come upon a little roadblock and you're like, oh, wait a second, I was going down the wrong path here. And now I'm realizing with context, that makes no sense. What was I thinking? Like, that's okay. That, that should propel you forward to have even better discussions and not make you clam up or be afraid to continue studying. So just get over those roadblocks and keep going. And, and I think to add on to what Amber said, a lot of people, you know, especially if you're raised in the church are like, well, my grandparents, like mm-hmm. that's what they've passed along to me, or this is what my pastor told me. And I, I'm, again, like it's, it's fine to sit under a pastor and that's okay, but you still, they're, they're human, right? And they could miss it and, and, and it happens. And so 
that's why when when Amber's playing, like, look, you you have to read for yourself. You have to surround yourself with individuals that are like, hey, have you ever thought about it like this? Mm -hmm. Like that is midrashing, as as Danny, we've talked about a lot. That is like dissecting and 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 not arguing, but it's a healthy like back and forth and that's how you exactly learn right. and that's how you grow yeah. for sure yeah so like if, yeah like you were saying about pastors or like <clears throat> your grandparents and things that you know whoever you um like held in high esteem in your life like if you're finding out through your own studies that maybe some of the views that they held don't line up with what you think you're studying and reading now like it's okay it doesn't discredit those people as being knowledgeable and when wonderful and um you know it doesn't discredit like everything that they've spoken into your life or every sermon they've preached or every theology and doctrine that they held dear to so like again you don't need to be embarrassed about that either um, it is no problem for the Lord. We're growing and learning. And that's also, I think, part of why the Lord reveals to us in time bits and pieces. That's why it's called revelation. It's not all at once. In fact, he gave some revelation to Daniel. And then we see more of it given later in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. um, so like as the generations go, you know, we're going to learn more. We're going to understand more context. We're going to have more technology to be able to talk to more people and to discuss and refine what we understand about the scripture. And then the Holy Spirit will reveal even more to us with time. So um, anyway, I just felt the need to say that because I felt this way before where I thought I had certain theologies like down. I was like, okay, I heard this sermon, you know, I read alongside and now I at least understand this part of this book. And then later come to find out, I was like, wait, I didn't understand anything. I'm seeing it totally differently now. That's healthy. Don't be embarrassed about feeling that way. That's healthy. That's growth. That's a good thing. I love it. That, and that's uh, absolutely right. We are growing in the Lord and, and we're here to challenge one another to grow and to see it from God's, again, I'm seeing it from God's point of view. I'm not adding my narrative to it because I believe this way or my parents believe this way or this, it fits better to the narrative of, a, of an American structure, right? For us to leave this place, right? There are people, number one, that takes away from there, people going through tribulation right now, right? Mm -hmm. To a Chinese church, to uh, in the Middle East and Afghanistan church, they are living their tribulation, right? They're, they're literally going through hell right now, right? We're, like you said, Amber, earlier, we're blessed to not have to go through that, right? So we should be more sobering and watching with our eyes, right? That we don't get caught up in deception. Now, remember, we're gonna go to Matthew 24 because I'm gonna, we're gonna, uh, Matthew 24 and uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 are two of the places that people really talk about a lot. So we're just going to hit some stuff there real quick and then we're going to be done and then we'll finish out next next week. You guys are here next week, part three, and uh, we'll finish out with Revelations 19, 20 and 21. So Revelation 24, I just want to read. Um, let's just read three and four and then we're going to jump to 36. All right. Uh, three. Now, as he said at the Mount of Olives, remember, he's at the Mount of Olives It's very important. Context is important. Uh, that the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, now we read this in Mark 13 too when we read it the last time, but we read it in 24. Take heed that no one deceives you. The whole chapter is about deception. The whole chapter is about deceiving thoughts, deceiving people coming. Um, he says uh, in verse 24, First, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive 
if possible, even the elect. So deception is what he's talking about. This whole chapter is about being deceived, false teachers, false narratives. This is what he's talking about. And this is important that we understand the context of what Jesus is talking about. Now we go to verse 36, which is the one that 36 to 44 people go, oh, look, at this is the rapture. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. So no one knows when Jesus is coming back again to rule and reign, only the father. But as the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the son of man. See, for as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage unto the day of Noah, entered the ark and did not know unto the flood came and took them away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. See, see what the Bible says there? It's just like Noah, we're going to be caught out of this place. Um, let me ask you a question, guys. Did Noah leave the earth when he went to the ark? No. He went in God, a boat and, saved, a boat. and got, got saved, yeah. And God was just protecting him for the environment of what was happening. <laughs> if that's not the con is that the context here or am I crazy? But is, is this not why I'm, I, did I write this down here? So some folk, folks that says, well, you see, it's like Noah, we're going to be caught up. Noah was just saved from what was happening. What this is a trust scripture. This is like trust that God has your back. We've read so many scriptures are ready to tell you. We read what Revelation 13 have faith and patience. Why? Because God has you. If you belong to God, there's no worry. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other one left. Two women will be grinding the mill, one will be taken and the other one left. Again, this is that folks that says, you see that what they're gonna be taken out of you. That's not what it says. It says one will be left because one decided not to leave what they were doing. This is the context of Noah. One is going to be taken and put in a boat. The other one's going to be left. The other woman, is, why? Because they don't believe in who Jesus is. They don't believe. So it's not in the context. This is all belief and deception and believing. Why? Because it says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. So watch. It's very important for us to continue to watch. Not that he's going to come like a secret thing. No, we have to be paying attention. Why? Because bad things are going to happen. And if we don't believe that God is going to rescue us in the sense where not that he's going to leave us out of this place. No, he's going to have our backs while we're going through. We got to believe this. Now listen to what it says. But know this, that if the master of the house hadn't known what the hour, what hour the thief would come, we will have watched and not allow his house to be broken in. Therefore, you shall also be ready for the son of man is coming and an hour you do not expect. So that word thief there doesn't mean um, a secret agent. It means an unexpected. I'm going to give you the word. The Greek word is kleptos. Do you know what the Greek word there means? You know what you can translate this as? The word kleptos means false teacher. Mm. Now read this in context. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the false teacher will come, he would have watched and not allow the house to be broken in. Why? He would have not let false deceptions to come in. Why? Because the son of man is coming and he's coming unexpected. So we have to watch that we don't fall in 
to deceptive teachings, false teachings, because the thief is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. When John 10 says the thief comes to kill and destroy, that word thief also is kleptos, which means the false teacher comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? So all of it is about false teaching. It's not about escaping. It's not about secret service. It's about, listen, some folks are going to be grinding and some folks are not. Some folks are going to be left to believe what they believe. Some folks are going to believe these false teachers. They're going to go with the false teachers. What he's saying, be ready that you don't fall into some false traps and some false teachers because false teachers are coming and they're coming secretly. You're not even going to know that they're coming, but be ready and watch your house because you got to be watching because he's coming. That's the context of this. What do you guys say? Wow. Yeah, I, I think, and even myself, I, I haven't read it in that way before where if you, it, it makes so much sense. Noah, Noah didn't get pulled off this earth. Noah was protected from the flood that was coming in. And if you read it from that context and that lens, you can completely see that in verse, um, sorry, I lost, uh, in verse like 40 and verse 41, yeah, it's not one of those men or one of those women are being plucked from the earth. It really is talking about like, okay, are you going to, to follow, which direction are you following? Are you being deceived? Are you going towards a false prophet or, or are you not? And just the whole idea of being ready and being watchful um, were really powerful, powerful things that, that stood out to me for sure. Well, I feel like I still need some clarification. So I'm going to ask, um, so these yes. verses that say, uh, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left, two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. So this is where I want some clarification because I feel like this is always the part that's caught me up. So I know I can't be the only one. So, okay, clarify for me more what you mean by this. One will be taken and the other left. Because I know what some, I know a lot of people think that means like one will be taken like by the Lord as in the rapture, obviously, and the other one left here. And that's where a lot of that rapture theory, you know, but comes it, from. The question I have is, does it say that in the context? Does it say that? Does it say they're no. going to be raptured? No, it doesn't say, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all, actually. So it's sandwiched so, within Noah and a sandwich between a false teacher, right? Yeah. And so it's it, Noah being rescued in mindset. Noah's going to be here. He's going to mm -hmm. be rescued. He's going to go through some things. He's going to go through a storm, mm -hmm. but I'm going to protect him in the storm. A, a false teacher is going to come in and it's going to teach and it can get your house out of, out of uh, context, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, out of, you know, disarray. It's going to mess up the way you're thinking. So, and the whole thing is, is in context of watching heaven. So here, mm -hmm. then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other one left. If you look at the context, one will be taken where, right? If yeah. I just look at what he's reading about Noah, one is going to be taken in safety and one yeah. is going to go to destruction. Mm -hmm. That's right. right? One, one is going because that's the context of what it's saying. It's not saying taken out of here. You know, they, mm -hmm. One is going to be believe truth and say, because remember what was happening in the day of Noah. Noah was saying there's a flood coming. Mm -hmm. There's a flood coming. And folks was like, ah, I don't know if I believe you, Noah. Well, guess what? Those who didn't believe Noah that there was a flood coming, guess what they did? 
they had they 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 died. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Christ is coming for his church. Christ is coming for his church. Christ is coming. Christ is coming to rule and reign. He's coming to be king. Do you want to believe in him or not? You can be believing Christ or not, right? That's your you choose whether you want to be with the Lord's side or you're going to be in a lot. There's a, there's a wickedness that the Bible talks about in Revelation, right? Mm-hmm. The wicked shall not inherit the kingdom. The wicked shall not. Those who choose against God, right? Those who choose against God's way. So here in the context, it's not talking about leaving this earth. Never said leaving the earth. Never said. Mm-hmm. It's in the context of make sure that when you hear this teaching, you choose Jesus and not choose anything else. Because if you don't choose Jesus, then when the king comes, he's going to separate the sheep and the goat. He's going to separate those who are mine and those who are not mine. That's the big separation. The big mm-hmm. separation that God has his side and the enemy has those who chose to be with the enemy. That's the context that he's talking about these folks. Never talking about the context of you leaving the earth. That's put in there because of how it, but again, everything has to be in context of what he's talking about here. So that to me is the context and it's clear cut is the context mm-hmm. because again, it goes, uh, and then we can also read it in the context of Mark 13 when he said, those days got to be shortened. Mm-hmm. The choice is going to be made. You either choose the kingdom or you don't choose the kingdom. So those days are going to be shortened because it's going to be a rough ride, right? It's, gonna, it's not going to be an easy ride. It's going to be a rough ride. But choose to have faith in God and choose, right? Because the moment that you don't have faith in God and the moment you think, well, he's not coming back or the moment you think, the mark, I'm choosing this guy, right? And again, in the context of... Uh, what he said to the children of Israel. Some of you flee to the mountain, right? And, and that same context, some it literally said the same language. Some are going to stay and some yeah. are going to flee, right? Mm. They will flee to the mountain, meaning they, 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 not, they don't want to believe in the mark of the beast. They don't want to believe yeah. in, 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 the, in the two beasts and the dragon. Some are going to stay and believe and say, no, we choose the, the dragon. We choose this false prophet. We choose... All of it is in the context of false teachers and false prophets. And we know the false prophet and false teacher that he's talking about, that thief in the night that's coming mm-hmm. is not the secret rapture. The thief there's in context is the false teacher, which is the dragon, which is the beast that's going to idolize himself in the abomination of desolation. That's what this is talking about. That's so helpful. Like, woo, that's why they're saying, you know, these verses that say like a thief in the night that almost seems like it's some sort of surprise. Um, you know, it's because it says here in verse 38, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So things are going to be going on as normal, basically business as usual for the world at large until this trumpet sounds. And then that part of it's not a surprise. That's why some of these other verses that talk about it being like, uh, like a woman who's pregnant and goes into labor. I'm thinking if you're pregnant, you know, you're going to have to go into labor and deliver a baby. So it's not a surprise so much it's as un- it's, you don't it's know unexpected. exactly. It's unexpected. Right? You don't know exactly so the, the hour and the day. Unexpected. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, right. Word, That's right. That's right. It's yeah. unexpected. It's not, it's not surprising. It's unexpected. Right. Oh, I right. thought it was going to be then. And it's now? I thought it was going to be then. And it's now. That's the word. So when you translate the word, because part of the translation of kleptos, is not only false teacher, but it's an unexpected way of thinking, Whoa. right? And so it's unexpected. 
And so when you look at that, it's, oh, it's a forced teacher, but it's an unexpected time, right? Yeah. And, and, and again, for us, it's to watch out because when the abomination, the desolation comes, some folks are not going to think that it is what it is. Mama, he's mm -hmm. going to look like the Jesus. He's yeah. going to look like the Jesus. He's going to look like, man, resurrecting power. Yeah. power. I want to serve wonders. What Jesus is telling you, there's going to be a choice to be made in this last hour. You either choose me or you choose the false king. But there's going to be a false king. You either choose me or choose him. One or the other. So that's one. That's that I want to so clarify. helpful. Hopefully it's helpful. Let's go to another so one in First Thessalonians uh, learning five, because I think this is another one that people get out of context. And there's so much in it that if you read it, you're like, oh, okay, it's right there. I should have just read it. Um, and the heading is the day of the Lord. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a deep in the night. Again, unexpected, right? That's the word there, right? Unexpected is the word that is. So it's coming unexpected, right? That's the, that's the terminology that he's using, right? Not that you should have, but he tells you, watch, because remember, it's unexpected to who? It's not unexpected to believers. Right. It's unexpected to unbelievers, right? Unbelievers are not going to, oh, Jesus is reigning. He is ruling. Yes. For when they shall say peace and safety. And then remember, this is, this is the false doctrine. This is the false teachers. Safety. Then sudden destruction coming upon them as travail upon a woman and with a child, which is what you were saying. And they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness. Now listen to what it says. But you are not in darkness. That word darkness is skatos. Skatos. That word means blind. You're not blinded. Listen to what the believer. But you, brethren, you believer, you're not blinded. They blinded. Unexpected to them, but not unexpected to you. They're blinded, but you're not blinded. Now, this is very important. That that day should overtake you as a thief, right? For you, us believers, we're not blinded. We are expecting for the coming of Jesus. We, we say Maranatha, right? Maranatha. Paul said Maranatha, which is what? Come, Lord. Right? Come, Lord, right? You are all, verse 5, you are all the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night, nor of what? Blindedness, darkness, right? The word Greek there is blinded. It's the word skatos, which means to be blind. You're not blinded. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, right? That word sleep there is the word uh, to do all. It's, it's to be lullaby to sleep, right? It's to be, it's to, to not be awakened to what's happening, right? So he's saying, don't be like those in, the, in, in basically telling you the difference between folks in the world and you. They're going to be blinded. They're going to be lullaby. They're going to be not aware, right? Therefore, let us not be like that as do others, but let us do what? Watch and be sober, right? We have an expectation as believers to be sober and watching. But they that sleep, sleep in the night 
and do they and and they that be drunk it be drunk it in the night but let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love why do you need a breastplate of faith and love if you're not going to go through something <laughs> listen to what he's saying put your breastplate why because there's going to be some things that you want to have to what in faith and love and for uh, put on a helmet the hope of salvation for god have not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation now people use this and as a well well brother you know god is not putting us to wrath that's not what he's meaning he's reading he's not meaning that it's the tribulation period so some folks use it as a look what he's saying he said you're going to need the best plate he's telling you to watch He's not talking about that wrath. He's talking about the wrath that's going to come on those who don't choose him. That's what he's mm -hmm. talking about. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we comfort, uh, uh, so wherefore, comfort yourself together and edify one another, even as also you do. Now, who? <laughs> read this in context some people go straight to oh we're not appointed to wrath that's what the bible says so we're going to leave this that's not the context of what first thessalonians 5 is talking about right we gotta make sure that we read scripture out of context and we don't just read one verse we read that one verse we read it with other verses like matthew 24 i can't read matthew 24 without reading mark 13 why because they work together right you understand they work together. You, if not, if you take these isolated scriptures, then you go, oh, yeah, we got to be raptured. We're going to be. No. If the context of the whole New Testament is that Jesus came once to establish his sonship, to show us what it is to be sons, then he says, listen, I'm going to establish the Holy Spirit so he can work this thing out of you. Then I'm going to come and reign a second time. There is no way in scripture that there's three comings of Christ. Nowhere. Right, that is made up by man. He's only coming twice, and he's coming to rule and reign. And he's coming to rule and reign those who choose him, those who stay faithful to him, right? To the end. That's the context. So I know I read a lot. I know we talked about a lot. Of it. So what do you guys think about First Thessalonians five? You are. I think, and Danny, I, I, I think you, you highlighted on something that. And we've talked about it a lot in in just our, our talk today, which is if you don't read the if you don't have the context, or you just read one verse, or or basically cherry pick verses, you you can very much get to the point where you're almost making your own theology or making something in your mind happen that it's not really saying. And I, I love that you pointed out you know, darkness, for example, means being blinded to. So it, it, it opens up the scripture so much more if you start diving into the Greek um, and the Hebrew, depending on where, where you're reading in the scripture, in order to understand the full picture of, of what's really happening here. And, and that's where you, you talked about verse nine and um, for God did not appoint us to wrath that could be very much taken out of context um, 
if you don't understand kind of the big picture of what's happening in 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 this chapter five and in, in first Thessalonians. So um, I think I think it's really important to kind of dive into that and really have our eyes be open and watchful to what's happening and watching the patterns and seeing kind of things transpire as they as they move forward. I didn't know if you had anything. No, I don't have anything to add right now. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say this. The, the, what makes the rapture dangerous is this. Let's just think about it. If you was believing your whole life that you're going to leave this place and next you know, you, you start going through some pains. Now, understand, this is an American pain. I'm talking to Americans here because people all over the world are going through pain right now. Because Americans think because we have a lack of persecution and lack of tribulation kind of feelings here. If you, so I'm talking to America. If you're an American that believed this American theology that was based out of here and you thought all your life, I'm going to be, and next you know, something, God forbid, happened to the government. Things start falling apart. They start being, let's say, God forbid, socialism. And you start, your rights start being taken away. If you have put your trust in an American system and an American theology, your faith will going to be shaken. Your faith is going to be shaken and saying, well, man, I thought, I thought this would never come to America because we're the special ones, right? And what, what, what we're trying to tell you out of all of this is our faith doesn't have nothing to do with our surroundings. Our faith is in the Lord and the Lord alone. You know, and our belief system is not that we're going to get caught up out of this way, is, is whether he comes before I, something painful happens. If I die before or not, my trust and hope is in him that he's coming to rule and reign. So I want people to hear us and not, not hear us, right? We're not saying that Jesus is not coming. We're saying that he is coming, but he's coming to establish his kingdom on earth and he's coming to be king. He is not coming to whisk a, just a small group of special because the rapture talks about a small group of Christians and only a small group of Christians that do everything right are going to go with Jesus and they're going to go up to heaven, have this meal and then come back down. That is not scriptural. That is something that we made up that has nothing to do with the gospel. The gospel is this. Our hope is Jesus. Jesus is everything. That is the true gospel, right? And his love for us is undeserving. We don't, we don't serve him. Um, he doesn't accept us because we do everything perfect. He accepts us because of what he did on the cross and that he broke the curse of sin and death. And we can have oneness with him and the father through that action that he did, right? That is the gospel, that he loved us even when we still unlovable, but that his return and the Thessalonians were believing that he's coming. Not that he was coming for a rapture, that he was coming to rule and reign. That was the expectation. The expectation that Paul gives to all the folks that we just read to is continue to watch. The expectation that Jesus gives us to watch, to be expecting him to come back. Why? So he can come and rule and take us out of whatever's happening at the moment. No, and that's so good, Danny, that we we can't lose sight of what the big picture is when we like to nitpick and debate over singular verses. And I think that's very important that what you just said as you mapped out why Jesus came from the first time, what he established what the Holy Spirit's purpose is in us and that he is coming back and he is coming back to reign. And 
if we just look at that and, and we understand that, yes, there will be debates over singular verses, but I think we need to, again, talk about the context and where things are going um, and what really the gospel truly means. And I think you, you, you set that forward for, for people to kind of hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, all of this stuff is, is like you were saying earlier, Danny, this is all, you know, secondary to the gospel. And so, you know, a lot of people interpret these scriptures differently and it's really important to be respectful when we discuss these things and be humble. Um, because in the end, you know, the main thing is the main thing. And so it's really, this should, you know, hopefully inspire people to want to read more, study more, and actually like hunger after the Lord and understanding him in context, historically and scripturally, like we've been saying this whole time, that's super, super important. Um, But if you encounter somebody who, you know, believes differently about these passages than you, like this should be also an encouragement to have grace for that. And and to not make that, um, you know, let's not make enemies out of brethren. So, you know, that should just further propel you more to want to study and, um, and to want to become even a better student of the word and, and seek after him more. Um, yeah, this has been so helpful to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This answers so many questions and I have so many more questions. I want to know about this new earth new jerusalem new all these i want to know all this so i'm excited that this is the end so, of the of our, you know, of our story we, here <laughs> we got one more week we got one more week and we'll hit the new jerusalem and we'll hit all that you know i, I i'm excited also and I'm, I'm glad that you guys are with me because again we're not trying to say that we're trying to be right we just want truth and we want to live true um and we don't want to be deceived now remember jesus and all that we read in matthew 24 mark 13 in the book of revelation he talks a lot about deception. He knows that the enemy comes to deceive us and we just don't want to be deceived. And I'm just being, I'm being honest and vulnerable here. A lot of this stuff goes against the own religion because I grew up in this thing. Right? I grew up believing this thing. So it's not an easy thing. Like this wrestling's with I mean, like, man, I'm eating, reading, I'm reading it in context, but man, this just goes, and it's just, this tearing things and follow grounds within me, right? My heart. So all of this, is said, but said with a lot of prayer, a lot of humility, a lot of breaking of myself and 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 and, and honoring still those of the past, but understanding, man, mm-hmm. there's so much in here, right? That we got to go. So I'm excited for next week as we mm-hmm. land this plane, right? And go mm-hmm. into the New Jerusalem and, and go into Revelations 19 and, and take the journey as we land the plane next week. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully the rapture thing was helpful for you, you guys to understand that we in this conversation, we do not believe that the rapture is a biblical uh, theology. We do, we just don't see it, but we do believe that Maranatha, the second coming of the Lord is a biblical uh, context and he is coming to establish his kingdom. And that's what we believe. So we'll leave you with that. We love you guys. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information.